Hi there, everyone. Gwen Jones here from the podcast to let you know that there is some bad language in today's podcast. So if you're sensitive to really bad toilet jokes, this may not be the podcast for you. But if you're interested in uh, how to make the world a better place, one flush at a time, stay tuned. The podcast starts right now. Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, this week is part one of a two-part discussion with Mark Bala. Well, who's Mark Bala? Well, some people call him Mr. Toilet. Seriously, though, Mark has put on a personal crusade to help people go to the bathroom which when I started this conversation, I thought was kind of silly until I watched his TED talk, until I talked to Mark, and until I realized that something as easy as number one, number two, is something we take far too much for granted. So join me, part one of Talking Bathrooms, on today's the I'm a Rotarian podcast. And thank you for joining me. This one's going to surprise you. I promise. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am super excited to say that I am talking in the future again. I think this is our third or fourth podcast where I am here in Washington State talking all the way across the world, this time to a suburb of Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Mark Bala is joining me today. And I hope you guys had a chance on my Facebook page to check out his 2015 TED Talk. We're going to learn all about the stuff that he's been doing, but he is from the Box Hill Central. I was told specifically to say Central Rotary Group. He is the assistant governor in 9810. And he, um, Likes to talk toilets. Yeah, that's how we're going to describe him. And uh, he's quite a fascinating guy. And I think you'll enjoy meeting him. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you so much for taking time. I guess you're still having your morning coffee. Is that right? Thanks, Gwen. It's great to be here. And actually, I haven't even had my morning coffee yet. I, I was trying to deal with some computer problems before we got online here. <laughs> coffee, coffee's after this. Oh, well, <laughs> Thank you. Well, we'll make, we'll make it short and sweet. Everybody needs their coffee. <laughs> of course, it's, you know, so it's going on 3.30 here on the West Coast, and it's, what, 9, 9.30-ish? 8.20, 8.20, yeah, 8.20 tomorrow morning over here. 8.20 tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Well, thank you for, and I and I always ask this question, as corny as it is, how is the future? Is the future looking bright It's pretty still? good. I, I wish I could give you the lottery numbers. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> but in, in Melbourne right now, it is winter, because I, in, in, we'll take Take a few screenshots, but you're in a sweater, so you're chilly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, look, our version of chilly is different to yours, of course. But like, it's about six or seven degrees Celsius outside at the moment, which I don't know. That's sort of low forties, I guess. Well, I, you know, that's chilly. That you know, that's that that's chilly. But yeah. So, well, thank yeah. you for it being <laughs> ahead of us and in the middle of winter and talking about uh, what you're going to talk about. I did, I did. Um, joke with people and said that we're going to be talking toilets, but we are going to be talking toilets. Is that a, that's a pretty safe thing to say, isn't it? That's right. That is my thing. My life has been in the toilet completely for the last few years in a really good way. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
right. Well, then before we talk toilets, let's do the very first question that we ask everybody. And that is, how did you get into Rotary? How did you first learn about Rotary? So it's interesting. As a child, when we went on driving holidays in Australia, we would, you know, if you drive into a, a, a small country town, you would often see the, the rotary sign in the middle of a roundabout near the entrance to the, uh, near the entrance to the town, and there'd be a lion's one there as well, and a couple of other uh, community groups would have theirs there. And, and I always remember the rotary one as the one that was generally in front and generally bigger. <laughs> but I had no idea what rotary was. And, you know, we'd, uh, we'd go down to the local hardware store on a weekend and, and buy a, a, a sausage roll or something, you know, something like that from the Rotary people there. Never thought about what they were doing with the money that they collected from selling sausages outside. <laughs> you just thought they were nice restaurateurs, I well, guess, right? I thought maybe they were going to use the money to pay for their meetings or something. I just never thought oh, about that. Oh, yeah, okay. And, and then um, I started, uh, I had a business some years ago. I guess this is where my introduction to Rotary started. I had a business manufacturing CDs and DVDs when that was still a good idea. And I, I sold the business when it was still a good idea as well, which was bravo. Because you know, it'd be pretty tough to sell today. I, <laughs> I was going to say I used to be a record producer, and so I know a lot about CDs. So yes, good, good job. Yes. Yeah. So I, I sold it to some people who then started up a joint venture in India, manufacturing DVDs for the Bollywood market, and they asked me to oh. join the board of that joint venture. And so I started traveling back and forth to India a lot, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came across some social issues while I was there on, on a couple of my trips, which I guess we'll talk about in more detail later. But right. I was also having to deal with managing the factory in Calcutta and dealing with board meetings. And, mm-hmm. and we were having trouble with the unions one day. Oh, one, one month, I think it went six months, we had horrible trouble with unions. And, and I was uh, introduced to a guy who was a business consultant who had a lot of experience with unions. And we sat down for our first meeting and I sort of, I raised this issue that I had become aware of. Did you know this happens in India? He said, well, actually, I do know about it because my Rotary Club has a relationship with an organization that needs just that kind of help. Right. And that's where I thought, well, I didn't know Rotary did that kind of stuff. And then he said, why don't you go and tell your story to a Rotary Club in Australia as a guest speaker and see if, uh, see if they would like to support us together in doing a project. And, uh, I went back and I found a, a Rotary Club that actually met at my golf club at the time. Uh, and not only did I become their guest speaker, I became a member because the guy I spoke to first was their um, their membership director. Right. Very, very slick operator. I didn't have a chance. So. <laughs> <laughs> we like this project. We like yeah. you. You're already a member of the golf club. It sounds to be yeah. like you're fitting in perfectly. When can yeah. I give you a name badge and have you start coming every week kind of thing? That's right, right yeah. Yeah. Bravo. And that so, was in 20, 2014, I joined. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, and then you've been solid ever since, including right now being the assistant governor. And you've yep. said you've been presidents of your group and you've done all kinds. Of, and you also said that you're, you are a part of about, you're, you're on like four different committees. Give us, give me your same roster that you gave me before we went on air today of all the things that you're. So I'm, of. I'm on the board of, WASRAG, uh, yeah. which is now has actually changed its name to the WASH Rotary Action Group, uh, okay. which is probably the most active Rotary Action Group out there. Certainly, I'm um, being on the board. That's how I perceive it. I'm I'm the vice chair of that. Um, I'm 
I'm in my final year. It's my sixth year on that board. So I, I joined that board really early. In fact, I wow. I joined WASRAG the, the day I joined Rotary. And I paid my WASRAG dues before I even paid my Rotary dues. Because I was in there, my thing was toilets. Right. And so I, that's why I joined Rotary. It was all about toilets. And so I joined WASRAG back then. Uh, I'm a member of the Rotary Foundation cadre of technical advisors. Uh, and that... Look, I've, I've got to thank Erica Gwynn at, uh, at Rotary International Office in Chicago for, for that becoming part of, part of my world. She, right. uh, she and I have become good friends, and I'm sure many of your listeners will know Erica. You probably do as yeah, well. absolutely. Uh, and, in fact, through that I had the great fortune of travelling to Guatemala as a, a member of the Foundation Cadre of Technical Advisors to, to assist with an assessment of a big project there. Um, I'm immediate past president of my club, of course. Uh, I think that's that's probably the main. That, that, I would say that's a pretty good. That's a pretty that's good, good roster. That's, that's a, a pretty good up. roster. But it's <laughs> funny because you, in in the radio biz, you did tease two or three times, and of course, we teased at the very beginning that you're all about toilets, and yep. that and that this is officially a a podcast about bathroom talk, yep. and. Um, I also mentioned that you had a TED talk, and I'm going to go ahead and put that link up on our on our podcast. So on our excuse me on my Facebook page because I'd love everybody to um, go see it. But we're talking toilets today, and I will admit when I saw that your your TED talk was about bathrooms, I am a Rotarian, a longtime Rotarian, and we've got water projects, and this guy does toilets and. That's really sweet. But could you kind of tell me, um, and, and I, and I have, I, I, this question is, is just like so expansive, but tell us about toilets and why we should, I'll say it, go ahead. I'll do the, I'll do the X. Why we should we give a shit about toilets? I'll do the question. I'll, I'll I'll do the explicit. I can do it. Why should we give a shit about toilets? Yeah, you may hear me use that word once or twice as well in that case. There you go. You're giving me carte blanche there. Fantastic. Right. There you go. Because we always um, hear about wells. Why should we give a shit about toilets? Look, I guess my answer to that question really does go back to how I found out about the the issue that really has taken control of my life on, on the, the toilet front, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as I mentioned, I, I was in India, found out about some social causes. There was one in particular. I was... Uh, uh, had a bit of time to spare and I hopped on a train in Mumbai and going to the centre of town for a look around and I met a couple of young guys on the train and we got chatting and uh, they invited me to visit their community, which turned out to be a slum in, in Mumbai. Uh, some people still call it Bombay. In fact, a lot of Indians still call it Bombay. Okay. Uh, um, this slum has a population of uh, about a million people and they're all crammed into less than two square miles. Wow. A seriously crowded place. And they invited me to visit and uh, I sort of, you know, I was a bit apprehensive. You know, slums don't have a great reputation. Sure. You are a tourist. Farmers, but, right. But you I figured, know. you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a risk. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's, that risk is why we're speaking today. Because uh, when I, when I went into the slum with them, they showed me where people live and work and play and, and socialize and so on. And then right at the end of the visit, they took me into a school. I was looking around the school and there were lots of little boys and little girls and lots of teenage boys, but there were no teenage girls at all in the school. And they mm-hmm. told me it was because the school had no toilets. All the girls had dropped out. Now, wow. 
not every school without toilets has a uh, 100% dropout rate among girls, but this right. one did 100% of the adolescent girls have dropped out of this school. And uh, my first thought as a man is, well, what's that got to do with staying at school or not staying at school? Well, exactly. And pretty, it, yeah. pretty ignorant as a man about this sort right. of stuff. And and I wasn't a Rotarian. I wasn't in working, working in humanitarian development or anything like that at the time. I was... Uh, I was making DVDs. <laughs> right. The world was good. You were just yeah. out exploring a different right. dimension of your life. Right. Exactly. Right. But, uh, but then, of course, I started uh, learning about the impact, and, and it became pretty obvious to me, actually, why, why this would impact on girls in a different way to the way it would impact on boys. I mean, firstly, boys and men will use trees and walls. If they I was going to say. If they need to relieve themselves. You know? We have a plumbing difference. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Whereas, uh, Girls and women. Once once girls reach adolescence, that that idea of going outside mm-hmm. really is, it's it just goes away. That that mm-hmm. option disappears at that age. Um, and I guess um, my daughter was about thirteen at the time. She's just coming into this time of life where she's starting to go through the changes that that girls go through as they become women. Right. And you know, I think I think a lot of girls. Don't particularly enjoy that time of their life. That that change, they're scared, whatever. But and right. some are better prepared than others. But in the end, in the West, we have we have the capacity to help people go through that part of their life in one way or another. And so that you know, for instance, dropping out of school isn't not something that girls think of just because they're right. going through puberty. Because there are toilets, and you wouldn't even consider that there weren't toilets because you have access to sanitary products. You wouldn't consider you don't have access to that stuff. Right. Well, and I think I think even stop you there. Just the whole to say the words we wouldn't even consider it, and I think that's yeah. something that I really want to express in this podcast and why we're talking about bathrooms and what affected me the most when I was reading about your work is that I never thought that a bathroom could be an issue. And you, you, I think you talked about that grade school girls would purposely not even drink water even in summer, yeah. so they wouldn't have to go to the bathroom. Yep, and and women in the work in the workforce as well. If they work in a place that doesn't have toilets, um, they don't drink water during the day a lot of the time. You know, this is this is something that, in fact, it, it's even earlier. Even even preschool girls often don't drink because they're still shy about going to the toilet outside because boys will make fun of. And uh, and so you even I've heard stories of nine year old girls in India with kidney failure simply because they're not drinking. Simply because they're not drinking. I mean, the, the the more you get into this space, the more you discover all the other stuff that it, that it impacts going on in the background, and it's quite it's quite devastating. Um, and you know, so as I mentioned with my daughter, you know, she's then heading into high school. Whereas right. for these girls who dropped out of school, puberty was a time of mourning, end of an education, end of their, <sighs> their future, their future being just totally messed with because there wasn't a toilet, something that simple. So I, and I guess I, and I, I guess I, I tone, I tune into this kind of ripple effect. In other words, you know, you throw a rock in a pond and you have this like ripple effect. And one thing in, in the talk that, that really did shock me was not only do these people wait till they go home, but how, what was the percentage of actual bathrooms at homes in India? So, so in other words, they can't even go home and go to the bathroom. And then, so 
unfortunately they're going off into the woods to try and find some type of privacy. Is that? Yeah. Look, back in, back in 2013, when I discovered this issue, India had a massive problem with lack of, uh, lack of toilets throughout the community in, in homes and schools and workplaces, Uh, just a Mm -hmm. massive problem. Fortunately, the Indian government, um, has since done something about this on a huge scale. Uh, the current president of India, Modi. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not into politics, but I love his. Good for you. It's space. I love it's this a safer space. Yeah, safer <laughs> this guy. All his other politics aside, his toilet politics is the best on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. He he started a program to essentially build 100 million household toilets in India over a four year period. Wow, um, that was it was a, a complicated program with subsidies and and you know you needed to build it first to get the money back and all that kind of stuff. But the end result was that about a hundred million toilets were built in India over a four to five year period, household toilets. Uh, and there was an improvement in school toilet situation as well over that period through the efforts of organizations like Rotary and and other uh, humanitarian organizations, UNICEF and so on. and and also the Indian government played a big role. And what came of that, of course, was the um, um, the social will and the political will for this okay. kind of change in Indian society. It it just took off. So you know, we we came into this at the right time because because people wanted it. Um, and I'm not sure if I completely answered your question or if I strayed. No, but it's okay because I think I think as people are listening to this, I think and like I said, there's a ripple effect. I mean, yeah. for instance, he, we're going to put all these bathrooms in yeah. these personal homes. Yeah, correct. But is there an infrastructure? Then is there a sewer system? I mean, it's it's an it's a I I don't think. I mean, I've been wrapping my head around before we had our interview today around the whole concept of toilets. And I don't think we think about them. I mean, or we think about them as almost a political issue. Do we have a his or her bathroom? I mean, I noticed you said two different bathrooms. Can, can there not be just a family bathroom in India? Meaning can there not be a public bathroom that's for what unisex bathroom or is that not okay? I think that's probably further down the road. Uh, Okay. there, the first thing at the moment is you know, in India is um, it's a fast, fast changing society. It's an extraordinary country, uh, but it's very different to the way we live. Uh, it's um, it's still very conservative in many respects. Uh, um, I think they probably have a higher percentage of women not in the workforce than okay. than we have in the West. Um, a lot of the issues we're dealing with in the West around equal pay for equal work and so on, that's happening in some parts of Indian society and other parts that conversation hasn't started yet. Uh, and I think that, you know, so right now it's about privacy and dignity and safety, security, uh, health, all this kind of stuff. That, that That's the first issue. Your question about infrastructure, um, most of the big cities have sewer systems. Some are uh, not so good. Others are better, uh, but then I hate to say it. If you have a look at the sewer systems in a lot of Western countries, they're hanging on by a thread. Touche. Yes, um, I'm sure. I'm sure there's quite a few people in Flint, Michigan, that are listening to me now. That would probably like right. some upgrades. Right, yeah. right. So, okay, then you also you also went on safety, and 
So if these if these women do not have a place to go, did I hear you correctly that they just basically go off into the woods and that's where some yeah. really unfortunate things happen? Look, uh, again, back in 2013, and this was very much the norm that in, in villages in particular, uh, that women would get up in the dark and go out in groups together looking for somewhere to go to the toilet outside. Uh, and they'd go in groups because on the on, on the occasion that they they went alone, there would often be trouble. And in fact, there was one statistic I came across about uh, rapes in in that time in one state in India, uh, where up to fifty percent of the reported rapes in um, I think it was the state of Bihar at that time uh, happened to girls and women who were outside late at night looking for someone to go to the toilet. Wow. Uh, now. That statistic has changed, if for nothing else, because now more women have access to a toilet at home. So that that catastrophic risk has been reduced. It's still there because as much as, according to the Indian government, 100% of people now have access to a toilet at home, it's never as straightforward as that. Some people don't use them. They, they don't know how to use them. They prefer going outside They or they get blocked and they don't, they don't know how to clean them. And so it... But that stuff has improved so dramatically in the last few years. India has come in leaps and bounds, but yeah, there's still a lot of work to do. How many people roughly don't have a bathroom? I mean, I, I know that sounds like such a, I know you're you're only speaking for, for India and I know they've had great improvement, but like, is this a, a real problem? Is it a real problem a, in other countries? This is a global problem. And in fact, India is by no means the worst anymore. It was and India, the thing with India is 1.3 billion people. Right. At one stage, there were like 900 million of them who didn't have access to a Okay, so 1.2 billion and 1. at 1.3 billion. 1. Yeah. 1.3 billion. And at one time, 900 million of them did not have a bathroom. Yeah. That, oh that number has dropped dramatically and it's a moving target. But on a global scale, you've still got uh, one to one and a half billion people in the world who don't have access to, to an acceptable standard of toilets. Um, and I think it's funny because we talk about water all the time and we have an yeah. entire month in Rotary. Water is sexy. Yeah, water is sexy. I, is that is that what you're telling me? Yes. Water yeah, is sexy. Absolutely. I mean, if I give you a glass of clean water and a glass of dirty water, I know which one you're going to drink. And that's the same for someone living in a slum in, in Ethiopia or someone, uh, you know, street kids in, in you know, South America. Africa or whatever. Clean right, one, exactly. They're going to drink the clean one. Uh, and it's it's easy to sell clean water to people, the idea of clean water, because it tastes good, it looks good, it doesn't smell, it smells nice, if anything. It, but toilets, they're not sexy. They're they're embarrassing. They're, it's a subject, you know, we, we go into it and we kind of, you know, if a lot of people in the West, huge numbers of people in the West don't like using public toilets in case person in the next cubicle hears it. This is a huge problem in the West. Is that, that, so, so I think we need to have now. just another podcast just on the Freudian back <laughs> back problem that you know Westerners have just with you know elimination in general. It sounds like right. yeah. we argue over bathrooms. We don't have enough of them. They have to be clean in a certain way. We have to go into you know we have to be by ourselves. Yeah. We have to. You would think, yeah, you would and think look, this you is go to the, if thing. you go to the theater, if you go to the theater anywhere in the world, uh, and during the intermission. You'll see the women queuing up outside the toilets. Sure. They're not queuing up. I went to the international convention in Toronto, and at one stage, I'm walking between the um, the um, convention center and 
the house of friendship and you go through a train station on the way there and there are public toilets in there that people were using and the line at the women's was out around the corner it was huge and the men were just going in and out using the urinals and at one stage um, i was in there uh, using the urinal and there's this yell from the front three women coming in oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the women Bravo came in, them. they went into a they went into a cubicle, they came out and they washed their hands. And actually, no, they didn't wash their hands. <laughs> they came out Uh-oh. and they did it quickly. Well, they- and we're get- and that's a good tease too, because we're <laughs> gonna talk about that too. Well, and I and I have to say, in my younger days, when I used to go listen to a lot of bands, you know, there would always be seems like a hundred women on the one side and two or three guys, and I would yeah. just close my eyes and walk in and said, I've seen it before, fellas. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just you know. <laughs> Well, and you did. Okay. So you did say we have, we've come a long way in bathrooms and people's homes, but you also said something in this Ted talk about soap. Yep. And if I remember correctly, you said you took a whole bunch of kids, sent them home with a bar of soap and -hmm. told them they wouldn't want to eat anything that their parents cooked unless they washed their hands. Yeah, so it was actually, uh, it wasn't something I did. It was another Rotary Club. This is before I joined Rotary. I was introduced to a Rotary Club over there that had put toilets into a school. And and then the kids started saying at school, we'd love to have toilets at home. How do we get, what do we do about that? Hoping Rotary would supply toilets there. And it wasn't quite that straightforward. But uh, in the end, what the Rotary Club decided to do was give each child a bar of soap and and tell them when they go home at night, Tell mum and dad you're not going to eat dinner with them until they wash their hands with soap. And wow. some of the parents may have then said, we don't have any soap, and the kids can then whip it out of their pocket and say, yes, we do. And that that community was transformed over a couple of years, went from 30 35% of families having a, having a toilet to 100% having a toilet. Uh, and that was that soap experience was the beginning of that transition because, of course, the kids were also bringing home the stories and the, and right. about the reasons for having toilets. Because of course, when you put a toilet into a school, it also comes with an education program. If it's done properly, you're educating children about, about personal hygiene habits, about why to use a toilet, about what to do if it's broken down. You don't just leave right. it. You tell someone who can actually do something about it. So all this kind of stuff the kids were learning. And then, and the school was also seeing huge improvements in, uh, huge changes in absentee levels ah. because kids were, particularly among the adolescent girls, they were now able to go to school all the time as opposed to many of them were skipping school when they had their period. They now didn't need to do that because they had somewhere private and safe and secure and, and clean to, to change their, their sanitary pads or whatever they needed to do at the time. Um, and, of course, the other thing by having toilets is the kids are much less likely to have um, stomach problems are much less likely to have diarrhea or disease if they have a safe and secure way of disposing of human waste. Because when you're going outside, it gets into the water supply, it gets, it gets into everything. And so everyone gets sick. And as, as once you start putting human waste aside uh, into a secure location, you know, securely kept away from, from our food supply and our water supply, you inevitably reduce... The, the risk of disease. This actually had happened in London 150, 160 years ago. Right. The cholera outbreak. I think it was cholera. They put sewer systems in at that time. Right. The river right there in, yeah, the Thames yeah. was stunk so bad it stopped Parliament. That's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, 
And now, and I think that's, that's really interesting because we did, we dig all these wells. We Rotarians, we love it. We love a good well. Like you said, clean water is sexier, but it doesn't do us a bit of good if the well is contaminated because nobody can, nobody has a proper place to go to the bathroom. Yeah, correct. I mean, it's quite eye-opening. I, yeah. I guess I'm, I was very naive when you, when we were going to mm-hmm. put together this interview and you said you were the toilet guy I was like, Oh, come on, this can't be all that important. <laughs> Is this surprising? I mean, when you start putting these facts out to people, do people just are, are as gobsmacked as I am when they hear about yeah, this kind of yeah. stuff? And look, you know, one of the things about that, this, this is such a powerful story because it has some really, really good components to it. That It's about improving the lives of girls and women particularly mm-hmm. and children in general. Uh, it's about health. It's about education. Uh, it, there's so many pluses here. Like if girls stay in school longer, they get married later, they have fewer kids, the kids are less likely to die in the first five years of their lives. Right. Their lifetime income capacity goes up by 5% for every additional year spent in school. There are so many pluses here. This is, it's a path away from abject poverty done right. I mean, we do ourselves out of a job as Rotarians. Wouldn't that be great? We could actually retire to the beach. But yeah, one, <laughs> could one could argue that a, that a bathroom can can point on all of our <clears throat> all of our points that we say we believe in. Do you know what yeah, I mean? All, at- all of those all of those themes that we have. Every I mean, arguably, it starts with a toilet. Yeah, absolutely. And look, this is, but this isn't news in Rotary. Like in, in uh, 2014, yeah, 2014, the International Convention was in Sydney. Right. And one of the keynote speakers was a guy called Jack Sim, who mm-hmm. was uh, actually the founder of the WTO, uh, which is the, the World Toilet Organization. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> and, and Jack, uh, he's known around the world as Mr. Toilet. Uh, I'm sure some of your listeners will have been to the International Convention and will remember Jack became the first person ever to stand on the main Rotary International stage at an international convention and say the word shit. I love it. So you can't beat that out here because Jack, by being allowed to do that on the International Convention stage, that was Rotary International saying that word is okay in all Rotary environments. And I think they were also saying lighten up. I mean, it, it's, it's, there's, you know, this is a, it's a icky. <laughs> yeah. But even, you know what, that even more important, the beneficiaries, the people we're dealing with who have lack of toilets, for instance, inevitably they come from very poor communities. They are right. probably of very low literacy. Okay. Because if they have higher literacy rates, they probably have better incomes. Therefore mm-hmm. they're able to afford a toilet. So, and people of low literacy and poor communities, they don't know the word feces or fecal matter. Or, right. They don't know that. E. They know shit. They know shit. They know shit. They, okay. they know that word. In their mm-hmm. language, that's the word they use. That's awesome. And, so, uh, so talking to them in, in scientific, cleaned-up medical terms is not going to help anyone except alienate them from us. Right, because then they're going to think they're, they're stupid. <clears throat> and yet one yeah. thing that we all do is we go to the bathroom, rich, poor, black, white, you know, anybody goes to the bathroom. So (laughs) we even share that with the other animal kingdoms, I should (laughs) ask. Right, exactly. So then, so my listeners have been, we've been going on for a while now. We're on this shitty subject and (sighs) it's been a lot of fun and we've been notified, but how can we fix it? I mean, is there a way that I can go to my rotary group and say, 
guys. We yep. need to think more about toilets and less about such and such. Yeah. So look, it's interesting. I bought the story to my club, and as I as I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, as I mentioned earlier, there's a there's a lot of boxes being ticked here, and yes. my club saw that, and so we then went back to the club of this guy in India who told me that his club had a relationship with with a school needing toilets, and we decided to to take this on as a district grant. And this is this one I talk about in my um, in my TED talk. Uh, that's the first project we did, and it was mm-hmm. 15 toilets in a school of uh, 500, 500, 550 kids that, that didn't have toilets previously. And so your wow. knowledge of what we had done stops at those 15 toilets. Mm-hmm. But after we built these toilets, the the impact was dramatic beyond belief. Like first up, uh, three days later, the headmaster from the school called me after we'd opened the toilets and said, we've got a problem. And I imagine the hackles up on the back of my neck. And, right. And I said, well, what's happened? What's wrong? What's wrong? He said, the boys are complaining because the line for drinking water got longer. We had measurable, so girls visible could impact. Pee, so therefore, girls could go and have a glass of water. But who ever heard of instant impact? Three days after completing an international development project, you can see real impact. Now, I'm not going to tell you this was a perfect project. But yeah. so many of the projects we do, you sit around for a couple of years and cross your fingers and hope, gee, I hope this works. Right. We right. saw impact in three days. Like, incredible. So we knew we were onto something special. And we went back to that club and let's, said, let's be more ambitious. So we put a global grant together. And you, unless you've read my book, you won't know about what's no, going on. I haven't there. read the book. I did, I did a lot of my homework, but I didn't get the book you're read. Gonna, but we'll definitely put my, a link it up for the book. You're going to love my book. If you like my TED Talk, my book is is my TED talk on steroids many times. Awesome. Old. Okay. Um, but make sure you have something to wipe your eyes with. You know, there's a few tearful moments in there. So, okay. um, so we then did a, a global grant, which instead of reaching 500 kids, it was 5,000 kids. Then we did another global grant up in Delhi. Then, then we started another one. Then we did a project in, uh, in another city in India. Then we did a small project in Ethiopia. We are now, right now, currently developing our seventh global grant. We've wow. reached well over, well over 100,000 children to date, in, mainly in India, but in Ethiopia, we're doing a global grant, which is, which is going to impact on the lives of 30,000 people. It's already impacting. Even in COVID times, that project is progressing and lives are being changed. And hygiene is even more important in times of COVID, you know, around hand. I was going to say, yeah. So, and we're, we're developing this new project in um in India, actually in the city where we did our first project that you heard about in my TED Talk. And that one we're fundraising right now. It's about a 90,000 US dollar project. It's going to impact on the lives of five or 6,000 kids. And we're probably about 70% of the way through the fundraising. We've got money from clubs in the US, clubs in Australia, clubs in India. Um, districts around the place are putting DDF in as well. DDS become even more important now that our foundation is not able to match club contributions to. Right. Uh, if a club's putting in, we always say to them, hey, why don't you ask your district to match what you're putting in? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so at latest count, I think we're this new project is going to get us just a little bit shy of a million US dollars in projects. Wow. From that first project in 2015, which was 15000 Australian dollars, so 11,000, 12,000 US dollars, first right. project. We're now 
fast approaching a million US. I don't think we're quite there, but we're, it all depends on exchange rates. You know, but we're exactly. Fast From day you to guys, day. Your, your money's worth way too much. <laughs> yeah. So, well, then it, we have our, our current Rotary International president. Shaker, and he is from the beautiful country of of India. Does he know about this? Does he? Yeah, he's look. He, he is. He's a big toilet guy as well. You know, he's a big uh, toilet guy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm That's sure he great won't mind. to hear. He, he won't mind being called that. He look. One of his um, his um, the things that he's talked about for this year is about empowering girls. Right, my point exactly. That's something he's really big on, and uh, in fact, he has um, he has a wash committee in India who have a big focus on washing schools um, and washing communities in general. Washing healthcare facilities is another big issue. Imagine a hospital without toilets. Well, there's another subject. Let's come back to that one. I was going to say, uh, put it. We may have to do part two of this sometime. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but um, the. Look, the guy who was supposed to be president of Rotary International um, uh, before um, Holger, mm-hmm. oh, when when Holger, you may remember, became president of Rotary International when when uh, Sushil Gupta became sick and had to withdraw from the from right. the post. Sushil was again another big toilet guy, huge on on washing schools, mm-hmm. and India in general recognizes that part of a huge part of the solution to India moving out of the developing world into the truly developed world is is about educating girls and about empowering girls and women. And they know that one of the huge issues that that country has to deal with is sanitation. So, yeah, that Shekhar is very much on top of this. I believe he even has a copy of my book. Uh, there you go. I hope it is autographed. Just saying. Because I, 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 and, and we are we are having good fun with this, and I think it's it's good fun because we're covering up a lot of pain. But when mm. you when you think about our goals and what we want to do, it, it truly does just tick them off. You know, everything, even even our environment. Like I said, so tell me about wash rag because it sounds to me like this is this is an action group that's part of Rotary that is really fixing or trying to fix this problem or at least putting feet forward in the right direction. Yeah. So look, the, the rotary action groups in general um, Mm -hmm. are groups that are, that have members who are passionate about the area that that action group is focused on. Absolutely. More often than not, not just passionate, but also experienced in, and there's a lot of expertise within the, within the membership as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The, and I'm rotary. sorry to interrupt you, but these are just to let our listeners go. These are not fellowships, you guys. These are action groups. And we've had yeah. quite a few of them on our show before. So just to make these are you pay your dues. These are action groups, not fellowships. Thank you for yeah. letting me interrupt, and please, as you were saying. That's right. And in fact, you know, in my club alone, we have a member of the board of the um, anti-slavery action group. We have a member of the board of the um no, actually, this is a neighbouring club member of the board of the um, environment, uh, right. environmental sustainability action group, which is obviously a huge area of growth at the moment, and huge mm-hmm. opportunity in Rotary in general. But the WASH Rotary Action Group, and it used to be called WASRAG, W-A-S-R-A-G, and Rotary International uh, changed the WASH area of focus to water 
sanitation and hygiene area of focus. So I mean, mm-hmm. it was water and sanitation was the area of focus. No, I don't know. Anyway, they changed it and said, well, Wasserag now needs to become, include the hygiene component in its name. And the name we came up with was Wash Rotary Action Group. And very specifically, we do not, re- we do not shorten that to the acronym WASHRAG. Which is a bit annoying because it's much easier to say than the wash rotary. Oh, it's kind of catchy. Time. I mean, come on. But the problem, the problem is, in some, <laughs> we found out that in some Caribbean countries, wash rag mm-hmm. is quite an offensive term to call someone a wash rag. Oh. So, and a lot of that, the beneficiaries that you guys have worked with in the US are in the Caribbean. I mean, Haiti is a prime example of a country right. where you guys are very active. Uh, so. Look, even some of the board members are struggling to remember to call it Wash Rotary Action Group every time, but I'm doing my best to, to do that. <laughs> and I think we forget that we, I mean, we could, we, we flippantly say that we are an international civics organization with 1.2 million people all over the world, but we really are all over the world. And that That's comes right. with its own wonders and challenges. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But getting back to what the Wash Rotary Action Group does. So, please. Uh, we are very much an advocacy organization, an advocacy, advocacy group within uh, the membership of Rotary International. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a few thousand members, all of whom have a passion for wash, being water, sanitation, and hygiene. Uh, the water people are definitely the dominant ones. Uh, as you mentioned, Rotary likes to dig a well. That's the area where we have most experience. <laughs> sanitation people are, are moving up in the ranks. There are more and more of them because toilets have become a bigger part of what Rotary does. The mm-hmm. hygiene people, we're, we're sort of skirting around the edges because it's say. a hard one. Hygiene hygiene is less tangible because there's an education component to it. Water okay. doesn't need a lot of education. You've got to teach people to – you need to educate people how to maintain their wells, sure. But right. in terms of drinking it, you don't need to educate people to drink clean water. They will do it if it's available. Right. Uh, toilets – Toilets are also complicated. Building toilets doesn't make people use them, but it's a very tangible piece of infrastructure. So in that sense, Rotary can tackle that and say, let's get the infrastructure in. But when you bring hygiene in, you're suddenly saying, okay, well, sanitation and hygiene together, it's only going to work if you educate people. And so a lot of our, in fact, all our projects now include uh, a wash education component. Uh, In fact, our biggest project so far is a $254,000 global grant in the Delhi area in India, uh, 26 clubs from seven countries and six uh, six districts put money in to make that one happen. Uh, and there's another story behind how we managed to get that many people involved, which, uh, which I'd love to talk to you about sometime because this yeah. is the power of Rotary. If you know how to work the network, we can do so much more. Uh, so that project, I think 65% of the money has gone into the education side of it, the software. Because hardware is easy. If you give me a shovel and some bricks, I'll build you a toilet. It might not be a very good right. one. But, right. But I'll build you one, you know. Um, I'll dig you a hole, you know. So, but the education piece, you know, there's so many stories of toilets being built. You come back and look at them in the future, and either they're not working properly because they've been blocked and nobody knows how to fix it, or they haven't right. been used at all because it turns out that they are the nicest room in the house. And people are proud wow. of them. They want to show it. To, look, we have a clean toilet. Best way to have a clean toilet is never use it. Some are being used as storerooms, somewhere to keep the firewood because they didn't have anywhere to keep it dry in winter. You know, it's, so, yeah, it's uh, I, complicated. 
I have to say, Mark, I'm, I like I said, I think I used the word gobsmacked before. I am because I don't think we, I don't think we think about toilets at no. all. No. I like you said, they are not sexy. They are just what we use. But healthy um, people, healthy people are sexy. There's there your you answer. Go. Toilets make you healthy, therefore they are sexy. That's what we, and we also shouldn't be ashamed of talking about. Them. You know, it's. <laughs> Like I said, that's the three parts. So the second part is for you to tell us more about the project. And then the third podcast will be some, we need a psychologist in here to talk about how come we have so many issues with, you know, going to the bathroom as if. I'd I'd also love to be the first guy that you have on here talking to you about periods. I'm going to be brave and offer that. I'm going to be brave and offer that. There you go. I was going to say. I spoke at a at a conference, the World Toilet Summit, a few years ago, and uh, I was on a panel talking about uh, menstrual hygiene. And I stood up at the beginning of my section, my session, and said, "Just in case the audience didn't know, I'm the only person on this panel who's never had a period." I love it, and you even <laughs> used you know, the P word. But we need to be able to talk about it. I mean, it's 50% of the population is part of their lives for many, many years, and right. none of us would be here on this planet if it weren't for periods. Nothing to be ashamed of. It's extraordinary, you know. Well, and I guess I always I always found it very funny in my time, you know, in my in my Hollywood time that it would be no problem to talk about erectile dysfunction, <laughs> but we could not talk about periods. And especially my time in radio, there was all those words you couldn't say. <sighs> and you know, you can't say half of those things about women's plumbing. It's yeah. like it's against radio crazy. rules, which has always you- been crazy. <laughs> How do you fix a problem in the developing world if you can't talk about it, really? Yeah. It's crazy. Right. And I well, will admit being quite please. uncomfortable the first time I spoke about periods in public, but I just got to a point where I decided it's too important. If I'm uncomfortable, so what? Good for you. <laughs> well, I I have to say that I think we really should do a part two. I think <laughs> – um, I think we've just kind of touched the surface. We haven't even asked the usual questions that we ask, but uh, I, uh, would you be willing to come back and and talk more about some of the the stuff that we do? If I, after the show today, would you be willing to do a part two? Look, as long as you understand that I will talk shit until you tell me to stop, you know, so you need to manage me better, obviously. Ah, I love it. So here's, here's, so here's my thing to all my, to all my listeners out there. We're going to put this down as part two. I mean, excuse me, as part one. And Mark and I will find a time for part two, because I think we've really touched on what the problem is. And we've even talked about everything from periods to erectile dysfunction to poop and pee and all that kind of stuff. We've gotten all the ooey icky, oh my God, <laughs> words out of the way. But we really didn't have time to tap on how we can fix it. So why don't we put a pin in this for part one and uh, let's set up another date for part two. What do you say? Sounds good. I've just got one thing I've got to grab from that table there to show you on screen so you can take a screenshot. Okay. All right. So this is this is good audio. So as 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 he runs up, so we will end today for all my listeners and we will do okay. Look at this. This is this, this is, is good book. audio as I as I tell people we will do, and it's called Toilet Warrior. All right. So this is the end of part one. We'll do, we'll set up an appointment for part two and uh, talk how to fix toilets and make toilets everywhere. 
Does that sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Imagine not having to stand in a line at the cinema. Oh, that alone (laughs) is worth a part two. (laughs) That's right. All right. All right. Do Mark and I have you thinking? I have to say, after this first conversation, I was blown away and went up to my house where I have two bathrooms. Now, I know this may be too much information, but think about it, people. We have houses here with four, five bathrooms. Seriously, with bidets and outside showers and all kinds of fabulous things. And this man is working on it just so it's safe for people to go to school, to drink water, or not be sexually assaulted after dark. So I hope you take a week and think about this part one, because part two with Mark will be next week. Until then, tell a friend about the podcast. And if you have somebody that you'd like me to know about, rotarianpod at gmail.com. And if you'd ever like to hear me on the radio, rotaryradiouk.org every Wednesday. All right. Next week, we're talking toilets. Number two. We'll hear you then. <laughs>